turn now to God's word. And as we reflect on God's word today, um, our actual message is going to be a conversation that Dean Miller, uh, the lead pastor of Church of the Ascension, our sister church, that he and I had along with Chris Lugo, who works at uh, Church of the Ascension, and Chris preached at our church a year ago. The three of us had a conversation that we recorded just before Christmas, reflecting on what God has been teaching us as individuals and as a church during the coronavirus pandemic and what we think God might be calling us to in the year ahead. But before we enter into that, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2 to finish off our series in Advent and Christmas, going through Luke 1 and 2. So this is Luke chapter 2, beginning in the 41st verse. It's the story of Jesus as a 12, 13-year-old in the temple in Jerusalem. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover, And when he was 12 years old, they came up according to custom. When the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that was spoken to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So as we go to this video, I want you to reflect on even just that simple phrase that Jesus said. that he had to be in his father's house. What will it look like for you in 2021 to dwell in your father's house in the midst of chaos and distress and religious duty and the checklists and the things that you have to rush off to and the pressure of your family and friends? Jesus, at 12, wanted to be in his father's house, to be in the presence of his father. What does it look like to orient your year in that direction? Let's go to this video and reflect together on what God has been teaching us and what we think he might be leading us into in this coming year.
Dean Miller, and I am the pastor of Church of the Ascension, a church here in Northern Virginia. And this morning, you're going to have something a little different. Myself and our assistant pastor, Chris Lugo, and our good friend, Johnny Kersina, are going to talk to you about what this year has been like, 2020. We are a few weeks, few days now from being done with what the calendar year will be. And we know that even though that calendar year will have a turn, that the season of pandemic and other issues we've had will be ongoing. And so we wanted to take time, rather than sort of a more traditional service during the holidays, to take time to just honestly talk and share what it's been like for us as a way, hopefully, to connect to you as well and help you feel like I'm not alone, though there are good things going on, and to sort of encourage and spur us on for 2021 to live well. So we're so glad you're here with us on what is a bit of a brisk uh, afternoon here in Virginia, and we hope you will enjoy what we do as we're together. So um, just a couple broad questions, maybe tell us, uh, your name and where you live and how many weeks you thought the COVID experience would would last when we first started back in March, because we're over 40 weeks now. That's a, that's a great question, Dean. I'm Johnny Kersina, uh, the lead pastor at Christ Church Vienna, um, sister churches with Church of the Ascension, and hello to my church and to our friends um, across Northern Virginia. Um, so I live in Vienna, Virginia, and when COVID first hit, I was actually pretty excited. Quite frankly, this is bizarre because we could not meet at Madison High School. Our church meets at a high school and Fairfax County kicked us out. And I thought that gave us a clear thing that we couldn't meet. So I didn't have to fight with whether we were going to meet or not those first couple of weeks. And I thought for sure we would be back by Easter and Easter was going to be a blowout. Like, Maybe we would have a week or two before Easter, because I think that was like a month or so from yeah. when COVID hit. And I thought, okay, we'll have a couple of weeks of not meeting, then be able to meet for Palm Sunday, and then Easter, it's gonna be, wow, we got through this. But Easter was a long time ago, so <laughs> I was completely wrong in that. And then when summer hit, and we came out of the, the like crush in Northern Virginia and DC in uh, May, I thought for sure, okay, by the end of the summer, when fall hits, we're gonna be rolling again. Let's get ready to think about the fall. Again, um, I seem to be off on these things. So I don't know about you, Chris. <laughs> um, well, I am still Chris Lugo, uh, assistant pastor, even though I feel lost without a beard, very <laughs> unbiblical. And yeah, I, I, felt like, I felt like it was only gonna last for probably maybe a month or mm -hmm. so. I, re I really thought it was gonna, I didn't really take in the severity, which I was kind of like everyone, we didn't have a lot of information about it. I thought, okay, this is different. I was trying to process it as it went along, but I really thought what clinched it for me was when they said, hey, kids aren't going to school anymore. Right. That, that's what for me really kind of said, whoa, this must be serious because now my children are gonna be with me all the time. <laughs> so that was, that's how I knew the, the level of severity. But yeah, I, I really thought that it was only gonna be probably about a month or so and that very much like the, the swine flu. There was a lot of fear surrounding right. that, but we didn't close down schools and stuff like that. Obviously it's very different, but yeah, I thought it was gonna be short as well. In, in, in light of that, then what have been some of the harder things for you over the last several months? And I'll go first on this one. So one I'm thinking as we do this together, it's doing this together. So uh, learning about lighting and audio and filming and going online and realizing that the two-dimensional experience does nothing for me uh, from a <laughs> broadcast standpoint. Um, the number of times my audio was off, the number of times my kids have said, Chris's mic is way better than yours, what's wrong with your mic? Um, 
it's been one thing after the other. So the number of times I've watched and thought, wow, I have really big holes around my eyes. It's like I'm a raccoon. <laughs> so uh, that's at least been one experience. It's been but yeah, no, no. The, the beauty of being a televangelist all of a sudden was that you realize just how, you know, funny you look on camera. Yeah, um, it's sure. been humbling for sure in that sense because we can't seem to get things right um, numerous times, especially early on. That wrestling with technology, with trying to do this, trying to provide something was just frustrating because it wasn't anything, not only that I was trained to do, but um, it also wasn't things I enjoyed doing and having to learn. And, you know, the team um, at Christchurch Vienna, there was, you know, Sabrina did a great job, uh, others that were stepping in, helping us to solve things. But that was not a fun first spring season of trying to figure these things out. And what does it look like to do church? in a way that is completely unnatural. It's not the way we're meant to do it. And that was really hard. That, that involved a lot of, um, I don't know, trying on shoes for the first time that didn't quite fit. Um, and it, that's, that's been you know, something we've grown into a little bit, but was certainly hard right away. I mean, I can think of others as well, too. I don't know. Chris, what, what about you? Yeah, I think, well, it's kind of a little different for me because I had already been doing at least camera work and mm -hmm. video things previous so it was um the the biggest challenge i think from a from a ministry standpoint was i had i had only been at ascension for about seven months mm -hmm. so getting to know people um you know you're just trying to get your feet wet the first six months and figure out what you know what are you doing and, and trying to hone those skills but just getting to know people beyond that and not being able to see them that was that was really that was difficult and it still has has been difficult i mean now that we have outlets like zoom and stuff like that right. it's it's a little different but i think probably more so from a from a personal standpoint uh, i have to say bar none and my wife would totally agree with this is has been parenting <laughs> uh, parenting has mm -hmm. um you know we we talk about there are things that happen in your life that kind of expose your sinfulness or your selfishness right like getting married, having children, but man, uh, COVID parenting with my children at home all the time has to have been the all-time most difficult thing I've ever, like it exposed a lot of the flaws in my parenting well, that I it, You know, I feel like that's, that's a common thing. I can certainly relate to that is, you know, my kids are older than, than yours, but all of a sudden there was all of us in the house all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and our house has some little pockets, but it, it felt like, you know, especially early on, we were constantly on top of each other, let alone the, the frustrations. I have uh, teenage and college age kids, their frustrations about not being connected socially the way they're used to. So mm -hmm. the, the outlets of relationships for them, the confined space. Um, and yet I had to constantly remember I have, um, I'm living in a space with other people. You know, I have friends, um, a sister uh, who live alone or live by themselves. And the loneliness factor is incredibly hard. I've heard that again and again from people who live alone because they're used to the connections, seeing other people in work and life and having that stripped away. So it's like, here I am feeling crushed sometimes with the space issues in a house with five of us. And yet also thinking, you know, there are people who have the opposite of that, that hardship of just wrestling with no one else in the space and no one to talk to in person. Right. What, um, what things have you learned just maybe about in any way, mm -hmm. smaller things, surface things, deeper things? Um, like you know, this is something that I think many of us have learned and I 
have as well is the value of relationships, um, actual people. Um, one of the things that COVID pulled out from us is the natural connections with people. If you know, we're talking about church, um, the amount of contact that you have with people before and after a church service is significant. And over the course of time, if you're regularly there grabbing coffee afterwards, checking a kid into something beforehand, you have these conversations that feel like you're connected to one another, let alone all the other ways in which we regularly spend time together in each other's homes, out at restaurants, playing sports together, doing whatever, coaching a kid's team, um, being in a book discussion, and all of that was gone and has been, and we've been trying to refigure out how to do it. But I feel like it's the value of human relationships and human contact and the need for that. I mean, on the far side of COVID, my hope is that we don't just go back into the rhythms of the intensity of Northern Virginia and DC where career and kids and next thing and event and whatever, and it becomes a series of, uh, you know, scheduled events as opposed to people. Um, and it really is the value of people and being with people and deepening relationships and where people have not had those, I've seen that hurting them, seen them hurting the most, where people did not have deep relationships um, to lean into in this time. And I think there's something that has been brought to the fore for me is people matter, relationships matter, and outside of your immediate family. Um, your nuclear family is, is very, you know, is an important thing. Not everyone has a, a spouse or kids. Everyone needs to have friends and needs to have deep friendships. Um, and the deeper that those are, the wider that net is, I think the more able, the, the more you feel that you're not alone in, in something that is very, uh, that creates a lot of loneliness right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, for me, I think it's been, again, because I've done seminary, like I've done work full-time and then seminary part-time, you know, their seminary's goal is to train you. I mean, it's, it's like a, it's a training session. Like a lot of people love the theology of God and, and which I enjoy as well, but it's training you for ministry. And, and COVID has completely upended a lot of that training. A lot of things are the same. And so the, the thing that kind of hit me that I knew in theory and that I've preached before and that it's it's one of those things is like I know this and I've said this before but COVID really put a, a real hard stamp on it was the notion that the church is not resigned to a building one day a week for mm-hmm. one hour yeah that's good and and I think that um, and that has really just kind of kind of thrown me where it's just like you know what wherever we're gathered regardless of where we're at um, that's the church yeah. And rather than here's the address, come here, and then when you leave, the church is still there. You go home, and so it's really kind of brought because I'm at home with my family. It has created this. Okay, now that I'm I'm worshiping in my living room, which I know some people, you know, see like well, you know, people are going to get lazy and stuff like that. I've I've seen kind of the opposite occur mm-hmm. as well, where. I have seen people realize, you know, especially when it comes to family ministry and children's ministry, it's like, oh man, the spiritual well-being of my children now is thrusted upon my lap. I can watch a video, but they're watching videos all day. Mm-hmm. Now we're facilitating kind of the life and breadth of the church wherever we go. Yeah. And I think that's so readily apparent now in my life 
more than any other time. Again, it's something I've known in theory, but now has been exposed to say, hey, wherever we go, Jesus is there. And wherever we gather, that is who we are. We are the, chur- we are the church, not this specific building for this one hour, which I think helps facilitate discussion beyond, you know, like church and work, church mm-hmm. and family. Mm-hmm. All of those little subcategories all comes from our definition of what we think the church is and where it is. Yeah. And so that that's really kind of blown up that whole And I think that's notion. something that as leaders in the church and as people in the church, we're going to have to figure out what does it look like to carry on the good parts of that moving mm-hmm. forward is what does it look like to recognize that there's a great benefit to being gathered together as the people of God, you know, celebrating, worshiping sacraments, etc. But there is something in God being present in our homes, in our workplace, in our walking through the neighborhood that is a part of what he wants to do in this world, that it's always about the spirit in you as you and your family, you and your friends, whatever, you're the church mm-hmm. um, too, mm-hmm. and that there is a calling to that. And so how do we how do we leverage that? How do we move that forward as a part of impacting not just our own lives, but the world around us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and see it as, a, I think we talked about this before, but as a disruption, not just, oh, if we get back to what it was. Like this is yeah. a huge systemic shift. Right, yeah. And it's, we talk in our church a lot, and I've talked to Christ Church, you know, yeah, about orientation, disorientation, yes. reorientation. Yeah. As a part we know, of we, we actually build right? it off. Of, we say this nice. is Dean's language, even though he claims there's some theologian he bought it off of, but yeah, it's really right. like, so, I always say, remember how call Dean it. talked about disorientation? Yeah. We use it again yeah. and again. Yeah. That's really it's really helpful. So, it struck me these last few weeks, like, I, it's still disorienting, and, and there's yes. no end of the tunnel no. yet. You know, mm-hmm. the pandemic and the vaccine, I know we've talked right. a little bit, but like, okay, the numbers of protocols we're all having to figure out to meet, yeah. now put the vaccine in the mix. What's it look like to gather and think right. about that? And all right. the variables and um, it's still disorienting. So what's it mean to hold fast and and seek the Lord and love people and all those things that, you yeah, know, how do we how do we distill out? There've been some fantastic things that have really worked to the kingdom's benefit. And how do we keep those, how do we mm-hmm. keep after those? I feel like one of the things I've also seen the necessity of, and it, it comes to bear on what you were saying, Chris, about like you're having to parent your kids or, or whatever, and church isn't meeting in the forms that it did before, is the necessity of cultivating your own spiritual life mm-hmm. and practicing the presence of God in daily life. Um, mm-hmm. That if my personal life doesn't have elements of prayer, mm-hmm. quiet, listening to God, reading something, not just because I'm a minister, but because I'm a Christian who needs to be connected to God, that I can't just be dependent on showing up for an hour and 15 Mm -hmm. minutes once a week and being like, okay, I've got my fix of God, that if that's not there in the same format or in a way that's satisfying, because some people just really struggle with an online church format, Mm -hmm. um, how are you cultivating Christ in your daily life? How are you connecting to the spirit? How is God's word, the Psalms, prayer, um, regular aspects of your life drawing you closer to God. Mm-hmm. And there's a real necessity for that personal, devotional, spiritual, mm-hmm. in whatever way that looks for you. And there's lots of ways, you know, pe- we can kind of give some uh, wisdom if that's something you've struggled with, but mm-hmm. that is so vital. And I think it will be even when the church gets back to meeting weekly, like yeah. they yeah. don't just depend on the church to create something for me. Yeah, I need to be able to seek God today yeah. and then do it tomorrow. Yeah. One of the things I'm most thankful for is we, you know, we've done several conversations about the small group and a series on race and the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. God's multi-ethnic 
redemptive plan. Um, and I've been so thankful for several conversations I've had with people in our church who had questions or frustrations. We, we tried not in that series to to, to cook every idea. We've, we brought, there's, you know, we've recommended resources. I don't agree, agree with everything that those people said, but it was great to do it. And then had, I've been so thankful for folks in our church that have reached back and said, hey, I'm frustrated or I don't mm-hmm. agree or... So those have been great. And what strikes me is, again, the deep need we have to learn how to be people like that because everybody's gone to their corners on so many different things. And it's a great opportunity. We've said as a church, you know, we belong to a king who is fully human, fully divine. Those are two seemingly opposing ideas, at least difficult in my finite brain to understand. And yet Jesus can tells me to hold them in, in my head at the same time. And so what's it mean to be people like that? So. I'm trying you to know, think about with our kids and with our church. How do we do that and demonstrate that? Because it's not getting, it's not going to, that's that, like the pandemic, is I also think that, t- that take some time. I know that one of the things we were going to talk about is what do we see as opportunities moving forward? I actually see that as one of the opportunities moving forward yeah. for the church and for Christians. We are in such a divided culture right now that lacks humility, generosity, and grace with one another. You know, friends have Mm -hmm. stopped talking to each Mm -hmm. other because of disagreements in this past year. And, you know, the the things that are going on politically, um, socially, economically, the pandemic have all kind of layered in on that. But how do we think well and humbly? How do we um, disagree with somebody, but learn from them? Mm -hmm. How do we demonstrate absolute generosity and grace and not push away from people who we don't fully agree with but press into them with uh, a loving care for them um, and try to get to places that are truly authentic to the gospel and not just our political opinions or our Mm knee-jerk reactions um, to think well Mm -hmm. but to do so humbly i think there's a place for the church to model that on a local scale for our own healing um, as you know churches of hundreds of people or dozens of people or a thousand people depending on the size of the church but also for the wider community to say there's something else going on here like they're not afraid of truth right mm-hmm. but they also aren't um afraid to disagree or they they learn how to love and do so humbly but that humility and generosity um, is just lacking in our culture and i think the church because of the gospel is set up for that mm-hmm. um, so i feel like if we can lean into that what the gospel points us to the grace and mercy the humility the generosity and say out of that what do i have to be afraid of do i have afraid of losing my position mm-hmm. losing you know not being right like yeah um there's just yeah. so much opportunity there yeah, i, I was think yeah. sweet. kindness is still a fruit of the spirit patience isn't right yeah. it's that one that no, one's not like nope. that. only monday wednesday friday <laughs> okay so, yeah right like what's it mean to be a kind you know to yeah. demonstrate that kind of firm loving kindness like i can disagree with you but mm. you still value i still value you as a person it is that's a great way to say it, john it's an opportunity it's a, there's a gap and the place that church can fill that gap i feel yeah. like the church over the next five years it has not had a good reputation in our country over the past 20 to 30, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate, but I think there's an opportunity for churches, individual churches, mm-hmm. leaders and Christians to press into that in a way that is honoring to God um, and honoring, loving, basically loving God and loving your neighbor. I mean, mm-hmm. quite yeah. frankly, like right. if you love God well, you love him more than, you know, your team, your politics, your whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you love other people well, you care about them more than being right in relation to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Chris, what are things you're concerned about as you think about 2021? 20, well, 
again, I, I've been learning about the season of Advent. Uh, Advent is a new thing for me. Christmas is not. <laughs> and um, especially this year over any other year, I feel like Advent being a season that allows me to lament, to be angry and be upset, yet at the same time believe and trust in who God is and his promises, um, I'm really concerned about um, the direction uh, where the data is taking us in terms of health, in terms of the impact that COVID is having right now and in the future on low-income families, particularly families of color, mm-hmm. um, where people are not able to work, who, who had already two or three jobs, mm-hmm. um, but have lost two, or, two mm-hmm. of those jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the, the impact it has on low-income kids and their education. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just in, in general, as a body of people, since everyone is made in the image of God, it is, is also the frustration of tangibly um, trying to find opportunities and ways to assist and aid those people, mm-hmm. rather than just writing a check, um, which money is important as well, but in, a, in an era where we cannot be in large gathering spaces, how to do those. And so my heart just aches because there are no there are no simple solutions and there are no simple answers and to do so would be um, an affront to uh, the person and work of jesus christ because just to say (laughs) we'll just have faith in jesus Mm -hmm. it'll all come together Mm -hmm. i think that's that's i feel like that's even cruel Mm -hmm. to say because i think um as we know as we talked about the psalms earlier the psalms give us a, a mouthpiece to say be angry with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to jump right on top of that, too, mm-hmm. we, we've just celebrated Christmas, which is the incarnation, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. Advent is this longing for Christ to come again. The incarnation is Christ actually came physically. It wasn't just God saying, hey, I've got a message. I'm going to like write it on the sky. It's he embodied our human brokenness, walked in the mess of life, suffered and died with and for us. Mm-hmm. And in, that's what he calls us to. He calls us to live in the in-between world in which we do with that advent longing the brokenness of this world longing for christ to come while incarnating the gospel in the lives of the poor and the sick the suffering the struggling the economically disenfranchised those who are outside not just to be a part with a good message but Mm. to be incarnated with them Mm -hmm. uh, to carry on the work Mm -hmm. of christmas if you Mm -hmm. would right yeah Um, right yeah and i think you're I think it also allows us, when we're looking at our sermon series and things like that, these conversations about race and, and racial injustice and those, they come back around, but they don't disappear because COVID's now here, but it, it brings these conversations back again to, okay, why are low-income, predominantly brown and black people yeah. affected by COVID, affected in this economic structure? So it brings these back up without being like, oh, we're doing this again? It's like, well... <laughs> It, it's all on the table. Here, here it is. And these, here's an incarnational conversation about this. So let's have that conversation. Let's speak into these spaces so that we can be the church, yeah. that the gospel points us to, so that we can point them to that as well, rather than just the vaccine, we cure everything. Let's just get everything to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what, that's what COVID is calling us to. Mm-hmm. I think it's calling us to change. It's forcing us to change in that way. And I think if we're looking ahead, um, that's one of the things we have to do as Christians and as the church. Um, I've, I've 
you know, read, listened to a lot of things talking about how on the far side of the COVID pandemic as church leaders, I'm going to have to help my church replant itself. So our church mm -hmm. started nine years ago. Uh, church of the Ascension was 13, 14, 15 years ago. You know, so 10 to 15 years, our churches were planted, but we can't just go back. Um, we almost have to replant our churches. And I think we have to do that as individuals as well as say, who is God calling us to in this new season? COVID has created this um, in between this major transition, both for us individually as churches and as a culture, um, all that we're going through. And I think there's an opportunity for us to say, what is God calling us to in this new world almost mm -hmm. on the far side of these things, on the far side of the, this past year? Um, and how do we not just go back? Like, let's try to make it like it used to be. No, no, no. God wants us moving forward towards him in this world in a new way. Um, and what is he calling us to? And I think that's the same calling we as individuals need to do. Like, how am I supposed to be a parent, a father now? How am I supposed to re-enter my career, my work now, the, the office again? Um, and how is our church supposed to be who God has called us to be in the next 10 years? So really think like 2021 to 2030, what is God calling us mm -hmm. to? And take the time to reflect and seek God as we're coming out of this and say, Yeah, because there's discern. a systemic disorientation. Yeah. That's going to say systemic yeah. reorientation on lots of different levels. That's yeah. a great way to think about that, John. Yeah.